All right. So we're looking at congregational singing this morning. Uh, we're going to look at, we're going to have two expositions of scriptures, one from Ephesians chapter 5 and one from Romans chapter 15. I want us to think a little bit more about our singing, why we sing, uh, what the scriptures say about it, because it, it is a command. It is an instruction from God to his church that we sing, that we praise God together, that we do it with one voice, and, and that it is something important and essential to, to the congregation and to us as a body. And we want to look at the reasons why the Bible tells us to do those things. I want you to think about this. You ever thought of any song lyrics, or maybe there's a specific song that's ever moved you to do something, to act in a certain way? You ever listen to a song and it's made you emotional? You ever listen to a certain song, maybe it's on the radio, and it encouraged you or compelled you? Um, and at this point, I'm talking about almost any music right now, we can think about its effect upon us. Now, when we think about the biblical music in the Bible and the songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, we should be able to look at those and say that there are songs that have meant a lot to us. There are some songs that are very sentimental. Maybe it's a song that I heard sung when I was baptized or when someone else in my family who I've been long praying for was baptized into Christ. There are certain songs that stick into your mind. Nothing but the blood will be our invitation song. Oh, and I think about that. How many times have I heard that song sung? Um at a baptism or an invitation or when someone has come forward and changed their life. And it, it's a wonderful thing to think about. And I hope that we, when we are singing, and that we are singing because God commands us to, that we are uh, thinking about the words that we are saying. And we're going to look at some scriptures this morning that tells us the importance and significance of singing in, in the church. One thing that stands out to me is that Jesus sang. He led singing. And before he went to the garden to pray that night of his betrayal and before the day of his death, he instituted the Lord's Supper. And it says right after that there in Mark chapter 14, it's also in Matthew chapter 26. And when it says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so he's looking in that direction. Christ knew the value of singing. One of the most significant scriptures we have on singing as a congregation is actually a, a quotation of prophecy of Jesus Christ. So we have this 2,000-year-old psalm, Psalm 22, um, that has been passed down, being written by David, that talks about the crucifixion of the Messiah who would, to come, who would come. And he speaks in the first person about his garments being divided before him. Um, and it also says there, it, it gives us this passage here. This is also in Hebrews 2 and verse 12. And Hebrews, he's saying, look, Jesus is our brother. He sings with us. He's there in the assembly. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you, is what Christ says in Matthew chapter 18. This is what Hebrews 2.12 says in Psalm 22.22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. This is Christ talking about God. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Christ sets the example. He shows the need for singing. By his own example, the importance of it. Maybe we don't understand all of it, and we'll have a better understanding, Lord willing, this morning if you've never studied the subject before. But we see how essential it is because our Lord did it. Jesus sang. And I would encourage, depending on your thinking, there's some people say, I don't sing because I, I don't sound very good. 
And what is the Lord listening to? He's listening to your heart. And I hope that what we see in the Scriptures, we sing together as one voice. You know, there are some who might sing, and they will sing above others in the congregation. But again, the Scriptures say to sing as one voice, not to essentially separate yourself. That's why we don't have any kind of solos or, four, uh, or a quartet or praise team or anything like that, or, or choir among the churches of Christ, because one of the purposes we see in Scripture is that it, it expresses our unity of singing together in one voice. And someone might say, say, you know, singing is just not a very masculine thing. You know, a lot of men have just said, I'm just not going to sing. Or if I am singing, you, and if everybody were quiet, you barely could hear me. You know, I, I think about it, and I, I think we can reflect on a number of people today who are very masculine and sing. You might think about the... Uh, that the, our United States military, the Marines and the Army, having choral groups. Men can sing. And some of the most beautiful singing I've heard, of, and I know Aaron Anderson came with me to Standing in the Gap, we had about 300 men singing together a, as a body. And so I hope that you are not looking for excuses and that you look to your example and you look to the example of Jesus Christ and say, you know, singing is important and it's something I should be doing. And let me add one more thing before we move on here. Sometimes I've heard this, I've known a few brethren who won't sing, but they stand so strongly, almost as one of the only identifiers of the Church of Christ, is that, well, we don't use musical instruments. Well, that really is a secondary point to the point that the Bible tells us to sing and that we need to be focusing on the words. And that is the point of us emphasizing singing. And it seems very strange to me that someone would not sing and then make their faith so focused on, on that subject matter. So Jesus knew the essential blessings of singing, or he wouldn't have done it. He leads his disciples in singing. And I hope that you're like me. Um, if you sneak into this building during the week, you might hear singing. And I apologize for the quality of it. But I do that sometimes. I prefer to be alone when I'm singing, you know. Uh, I don't want others hearing around me. But as we look in the Scriptures, it should be something natural about being a Christian. That you're driving down the road and your radio's off that you might find yourself praying or even singing. In fact, the Scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 5, which we're going to get to in a minute, that it is an example and way of knowing that the Spirit of God dwells within you. That you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you sing and you praise God. And you do it for wonderful reasons. So the problem is, and again, tying into some of the things that's already been addressed, I want to encourage you. Ask yourself the question, do, I, do you sing? Do I do that? Do you observe God's command to sing? And I hope that you do. Now, your voice doesn't have to stand out. We want our voices actually to be one again. One mouth, one voice, joined together in unison. Now, I hope that's not a fearful thing for you. If you have your Bible, we're going to have two expositions this morning. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, and then we're going to go to the passage that Cohen read for us from Romans chapter 15 in a moment. But open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's draw some observations from this text here. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 5, and we're going to go down to verse 18 through 20. And I, and I like 18, and it stands out for a number of reasons. In the beginning of it, you might think, well, that's kind of a strange way to introduce singing. But let's read it. 
Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. The word for drunk in Greek is methuo. It means do not be filled with it. Usually we think of drunk, we think of intoxicated. He says, do not be filled with wine. But notice what he says here. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it makes a lot more sense now when you start thinking, all right, so being filled with wine in contrast to being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're in contrast. One is being filled with spirits and the other one's being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, and if that makes the point there. All right, look at verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of things that stand out to me from this passage. Again, the opposite of being filled with wine, which it says there is debauchery, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is in contrast to it. And I think a lot of people today, when they face the world's problems, they want to um, take a, a, a drug, they want to take some kind of substance, or they want to drink. They want to treat themselves rather than turning to God and allowing Him to fill their life, rather than turning to Him and praising Him. There's so much that can be done. Uh, going along with the song we just sang um, about singing about counting our blessings, the counselor is going to tell you if you're going through hard times, you need to count your blessings. Uh, take account of the things that you are thankful for and recognize them. And so in singing, we want to praise our God and recognize what He's done for us and recognize who He is, that He's steadfast in love, that He's gracious and merciful and worthy of our praise. And we know who our Creator is and how much He loves us. In steadfast love, He forgives our iniquities and sin. He is slow to anger. Those qualities make you. You, you feel the, the love that you have for your Creator more because it's based upon recognize who He is as has, has been presented in Scripture. So Paul, he also instructs Christians here to speak to one another in Psalms. And so we see the book of Psalms in the Bible. Um, as we have record, early Christians would take those Psalms and adapt, and adapt them for Christian worship. In our Bibles and in the New Testament, there are quotations from Paul sometimes. And his quotations don't appear to be coming from other Scripture. But they, a lot of the things he's quoting have a rhythm to them. And it's believed by most scholars that a lot of things that are written by the New Testament writers are ancient Christian songs. And I can show you some sources on that if you want to look up some of those songs that are within the text. First and Second Timothy have a few of them. You can, they almost pop out if you go over there and look there. You'll see some of those songs. And so Paul instructs Christians, you speak to one another. You address one another. And how do you do it? And notice this. It's always speaking. It's always talking. It's with words. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He says this, Christians are to make melody. Now, the Greek word is solo. You need to make music. And the music, the melody, comes from your heart. And so when I sing, it is emotion. It is a motive. There is not an act of worship, an act of the assembly that we do on Sunday morning that it does not also, uh, is not also based in emotion. It is based first in God's Word, and then it is uh, the motion, the heart that is built on it. It is God's Word being placed upon our heart. So that when we sing, or when we hear preaching, or when we partake of the Lord's Supper, I can't think of the number of times I've partaken of the Lord's Supper, and it's been very emotional for me. Especially when I've repented of sin. When I've changed my life. And I thank God, and I thank Jesus that, uh, for His mercy and forgiveness. 
Because it comes to, your, to you right there. You see the sacrifice of Christ and you can, um, you know that. You know that love, that emotion that goes along with that expression. And so also with our singing, our hearts need to be behind it. And then we see this, believers are to give thanks to God. Singing is also a way of thanksgiving, of praising our Creator. One of the things that stands out when I read Ephesians 5.18, and various commentators note this, that in the Greco-Roman world, music and drinking of the wine were associated together. It was a part of pagan worship. It was a part of everyday life. And when you read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, you've got a contrast to it. You've got this kind of life where you can party, where you can drink and you can have that kind of music, or you can have what is in the church, where you're filled with the Holy Spirit, where you, you sing praises to God, where you speak to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And many times when I read these passages like Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.19, it says they speak to one another. The phrase one another is actually plural. In other words, it's saying you all as a group speak to yourselves as a group. And when you look at some of the ancient churches and how churches sat and how the Jews would sit, their buildings, their seating went down the walls, like stadium seating and around the back. And so when it says they speak to one another, you get this view, especially knowing that, that they are looking at one another. They really are speaking to each other in the congregation. And knowing what I know about the church at uh, Corinth and what Paul, I'm sorry, what James said to various churches that they met in synagogues, their assemblies would have looked very much like that. Let's look at a few more scriptures before we get to our next exposition in Romans 15. But singing, again, is a biblical form of teaching and instruction that you get to be a part of. You, we say together with one voice as the church, we believe this. We believe Jesus is the Christ. We believe He died on the cross. We believe that He rose again. And we say it with one voice and we teach it and proclaim it to one another. And those among us who are weak and struggling can hear that. And they can know what is on our heart. This is what we read here in Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word, God's Word dwells within me richly. So what am I going to do with that? Well, this is what I do with it. We've got two participles right here. We've got teaching and admonishing, defining what it means to have the Word of God dwelling in us richly. It means we're going to sing. He says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sounds a lot like Ephesians. We see the importance of singing. We have the command there and we see the significance for teaching. We also see this. Over in, in Corinth, a lot of the singing, some of them are trying to lead singing or they're, they're singing songs in a foreign language even. They're not using a language that anybody else knows and they're singing before the congregation or they're leading a prayer and there's problems with that. Paul says, you shouldn't be taking this gift of God and using it to make a show out of worship. And he says here that your spirit's behind it, but your mind isn't. You ever done that? You've ever sung through a song and said, I don't think I even thought about the words I was just singing. Or maybe I've sung this song for years, but I never noticed it said this. I want you to look here, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. Paul talks about this, what's going on in the congregation. And he talks about how some are speaking and they're taking this gift of God to speak in other languages, which was meant to take the gospel to all the world. And here they are taking it to the assembly and saying, I'm better than you are. Look at what I can do. Paul says speaking in different languages is the least of spiritual gifts. 
And he says, this is what you should do. He says, what am I to do? He uses himself. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I'm going to use words with meaning. That's why we emphasize congregational singing. That's why we, we set aside any kind of additions like musical instruments or anything else like that because the words are so important. And, and he, you go and read that text there in 1 Corinthians 14. You will see it very clearly. The words provide the edification. And so it is both intellectual and emotive when we sing. He says, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. The word here for sing again is the word solo. And so some people say, well, solo could include musical instruments. Well, the problem with that here right here is very clearly he's saying the solo, the music that you are to make, is to be with the spirit, is to be emotive, emotional. It is to involve your heart. And he says it is also to be with your mind, including the words. The music of the first church and the early churches for, for hundreds of years, for over a thousand years, among all churches, was singing with words that had meaning and significance to the mind and to the heart. And I encourage you, brethren, that when we sing, that we think more, that I am not only singing with my heart, but I am paying attention to the words. And I believe them and confess them. It might come that you find a song here or there where I don't understand those words and they you, you may skip over them, and I would respect that. But for the most part, our songs are, are right, and we need to be singing them with our heart and our mind. I like James 5, verse 13. It's also another expression. It uses the word solo as well. And here he says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. And that's often what we do when we're going through hard times. We pray. But when you're cheerful, what do you do? And I hope that we as Christians would say, when I was celebrating the blessings that God has given to me, and I was so thankful for all I couldn't help but sing praises to Him. So he says here, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Praise God. That's why we sing. We see the wonder of our God, and we, we're not going to hold back. The Scriptures instruct believers, men and women, to praise God from the heart and teach one another by singing. That's what we've seen, the importance of singing this morning. Now, here's our other exposition that emphasizes the need of congregational singing, singing together as a body. The unity that we have as a church is all over the world. The first day of the week, you have people, Christians, meeting in assemblies to praise God. And let's take a look here. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13. Verses 5 through 13. And make some of your own observations as well. Look at the text, see some things that stand out to you, and if you're taking notes, write them down. Look here in verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant to you to live in such harmony with one another. Notice his emphasis there, on harmony with one another, in agreement with one another, uh, in accord with Jesus, Christ Jesus, he says, that together you may with one voice, in Greek it literally says one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. He says, this singing, this unity and singing is, comes together. Our singing demonstrates our unity as, a, as Christians and as a body of Christians. And here he's emphasizing, you sing together because Jews and Gentiles of all nations and all ethnicities are brought under Jesus Christ. And he continues, look at verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant 
to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. You remember the promises through Abraham that all the nations would be blessed. That's what Paul's saying here, that you should have unity, both Jews and Gentiles within the body. Speak with one voice. Look at verse 9. And he says, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Notice the emphasis on glorifying. And the words here that are connected with praise and singing, he goes on, he says, As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, that is, among the nations, and sing to your name. And what Paul's saying here, he starts quoting these scriptures from Isaiah as saying it was God's way, His promise that all the nations would be apart and be able to worship together, worship the one God together, which is what we do this morning in praising and singing to Him. Look at verse 10. And he says, And... And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. In other words, rejoice, O nations, with his people. Again, the word Gentiles in Greek is ethnoi. It means ethnicities. All ethnicities worship together. Look at verse 11. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol him. And verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to the rule of the Gentiles, the nations, and him will the nations hope. In other words, all the Gentiles, many people throughout the world, all the blessings through Abraham are to come through Jesus Christ. Therefore, unify and worship God together with one voice. Verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Very beautiful description there of the unity and the worship together that is to take place in the church so we see that in singing here again are things that stand out to me in the book of romans and romans 15 right here christians glorify god together in the profession of their faith and unity we see that they sing together with the same passion together and so one of those words we read there about glorifying god with that one voice and together the greek word means it's a combination of two of together and passion. There, there's emotion in it and glorifying God. He says such glorification together represents the reception of one another. You love one another. You accept one another because you are all under the name of Christ. And then lastly, we see singing unifies all Christians, whether Jew or Gentile, with the same joy and hope. And singing is beautiful. You're not going to find another religion in the world that has a basis in their worship and it includes singing, besides somewhat in Judaism. But of course, that being the precursor to us. It is to be a part of our assembly and a part of our life. You're not going to find it in Islam. You're not going to find it in another faith. It's the only faith that upholds, based in Jesus Christ, that says you need to sing together. So singing with one voice, we've seen from reading Romans 15, is a congregational singing. This is why we emphasize this among the churches of Christ. It's so important and necessary for us. And before we finish this morning, I want you to think of it in another way. The Bible describes us as priests in God's temple, His church. And that we offer, we give sacrifices and offerings, spiritual sacrifices and offerings to God. So the temple that was once physical has changed to spiritual, the church. The priests who were once uh, specific men of the tribe of Levi are all, all Christians now. It says that in 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. And that now we offer spiritual sacrifices, and the book of Hebrews describes some of that. 
And if you go through Hebrews 13, you'll notice some things in verse 10 referring to the Lord's Supper as our altar that we eat from. You'll see in verse 16 right after this that the good things and our sharing together is a sacrifice to God, our fellowship with one another. But I want you to read this. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. If you're a Christian, you are to be a priest working and serving and offering sacrifices in God's temple. And one of them that God wants from you is that you sing. And I hope this morning you see the significance and the importance of singing. God commanded singing because as we see this morning, it's a blessing for us. It helps us. We need it. And I think most of us, those who know that we were filled with the Holy Spirit, because we sing praises to God, we know how important singing is. We know the significance of it. And I hope to encourage you this morning, if you've been putting off singing for any reason, start singing again. Start blending your voices together. We want to encourage you that um, if you've struggled in sin, we want to be there. We want to pray for you. This morning, you can come forward or you can find someone else here in the congregation I know who will want to encourage you and pray with you. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, I encourage you that you confess your faith that Jesus Christ died and he's buried and he rose again. And that by confessing that he is Lord, that you are willing to do the same thing, that you will die to yourself, be buried in the waters of baptism. It's God who raises you up and will wash away all your sins in his blood. And you can do that this morning. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.